Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We pray, Father, that your word would continue to be sown into good hearts and give forth fruits that glorify your name. We know that your word is a good seed, that it, if it falls in good ground, it will give forth good fruit. Father, we pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that your word this morning would be a double-edged sword that would pierce our hearts even to the depth of the conviction between the soul and the spirit. We pray that your word would be that lamp unto our feet so that we not go astray. We pray that your word would be the bread of life that nourishes our spirit. And Father, that we might eat well, that we might live well. We pray that you would bless your word in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Clearly we have seen in Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 that God tells you that he knows the end result of your life from the very beginning. In fact, some verses say from your mother's womb I've called you by name and I've separated you apart with a purpose. Another verse says before the foundations of the earth I have called you and prepared you that you might come into this world and to manifest my glory, the glory of the Father, the kingdom, the Son. And so all these things, while we get lost in the religious rhetoric of not knowing what to do, I want to share with you that God is into the end result of the process that you're on and not the event you are looking for. Many people are looking for the event, and I've, I've uh, listed some of the events. Uh, one is many people are looking forward to their wedding day. And if people are, are really, you know, oh, the day I get married. See, that's the event, but marriage is the process. And not many people, I would say 90% of the people, have no commitment to the process of marriage. And that's why they throw in the towel and they get divorced. They don't understand the process of marriage and what it's to bring in God's plan. The Bible says that God hates divorce because it disrupts his plan. He hates double-minded people. He won't deal with those people that start and then don't finish. And, and we are so motivated to start things. Um, some people uh, start out falling in love. That is the event. When will I fall in love? And then the process is learning how to love. See, this is where people don't commit to, people don't participate, people don't come into the event of falling in love is what we look forward to. And so people will be in falling in love multiple times. I want to fall in love again. I want to fall in love again. And they never come to the reality of true love. Because it's not falling in love, it's growing in love. It's maturing in love, which is the love that is part of covenant. Having children is the day that people always look forward to. I can't wait for the day that I have a child. Well, it's not having children, it's raising children. And in America, the custom was that when a child turned 18 years old, and I saw this physically invisible, I, I saw a dad tell his son, guess what, you're 18 today, pack your bags, it's time for you to go. And this young man had nowhere to go, and he had no provision uh, for him to go. Um, and I, I remember him coming home and sleeping in the back terrace like if he was a dog. Because his dad had come to the place of saying, you're 18 already, it's time to go. So I learned when I came to the Lord, and, and I had that same mentality, when I read that God is the eternal Father. And when you're talking about eternal, you're talking about long and forever. Amen. 
And if you're a dad, you will be dad forever. And if you're a son, you will always have a dad if you were to live according to biblical instruction. Because Jesus was 33 years old when he says, Father, uh, I have come to do your will. In John chapter 10, verse 30, he was about 30 years old when he says, me and the Father are on the same page. Me, I, and the Father are one. See, it was a teamwork effort with a father and a son for a long and drawn-out time. In fact, long after the dad goes, the son will always say, my father always told me. He will live according to the instructions of his father, which was part of the process. So having a child is the event. Raising them is the process. Going to school, a lot of my friends started in college. I remember our first semester in college. We spent our whole time, we signed up for our classes, for our courses, and at the end of the year, everybody dropped out. And I said, what's going on here? So signing up to go to school is the event. Graduating is sticking with the process. Being able to stick with the efforts of finishing what you have begun. And I have met so numerous, numerous amount of people that have told me, oh, I once wanted to be a lawyer like you, but I dropped out of school. So it's not going to school, it's finishing that is what God is into. Um, the other example that I have here is going to church. A lot of people like the event of going to church, but how many true disciples that serve faithfully in the house of God do you know? And you can tell a neighbor he's talking about you. Because going to church is the event, but becoming discipled and serving, that's the process. And God is committed to that process because he says, if you finish unto the end, you shall be saved. If the, if the latter part of this event is what you stick with, that's when you will see my glory. How many know people that go out and they get the classified ads and they're going to go find a job? Do you know anybody like that? They've been looking for a job for the last six years. See, they're, they're into the event of getting a job, but they're not into the process of staying employed and developing and maturing and getting promoted. That's the process. Um, a lot of people are into making money. How many like making money? I love making money, but the difficult part of the process is managing the money that comes in. And I was telling a man this week, I said, you can make millions of dollars, but if you don't have a, a stewardship, if you don't have a budget, if you don't have a process, you're going to be very stuck on that process, uh, in that event of making money. It will do you no good. Um, another example, purchasing a home. How many know a homeowner, right? And they purchased a home and they were so excited, but they forgot that when you purchase a home, you're required to pay the mortgage, so because they don't know about the process of owning a home, pretty soon the home is taken from them. Now let's get into the spiritual realities of having, being able to see spiritual truth. Being able to see spiritual truth is the event, but having a vision is the process. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. When you can't see further down the road than what you're presently seeing, it does you no good. God doesn't only want you to see, he wants you to have a vision. It was Nicodemus that was going around saying, Lord, I am a spiritual leader. I know you're a spiritual leader. Can you please tell me what's going on? And he says, Nicodemus, you're into belief. You know that God exists. You know that I have come from God, for I could not do the miracles I'm doing if I weren't from God. But unless you're 
committed to the process of being born again, born of the water and born of the spirit, and grow and develop in your spiritual maturity, you cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter this kingdom. It will never be part of your reality. So we need to ask God today, Lord, I've already got into the event. I've already become a Christian because John chapter 1 verse 12 says like this. He says, to all those who believe, he gave the right to become sons of God. To believe is to take the first step in this journey. But some of you have taken steps in this journey and somehow think that the event has culminated in the process. And it has not. Many as have received Christ. It's to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And so you say, I'm a believer, and even James takes it a step further. He says, my friend, don't think that you're special because you believe, because even the demons believe and they tremble. So belief doesn't get you anywhere. Just like knowing and memorizing the whole Bible just makes you a potential uh, uh, perfect devil. The, the, the devil knows the whole word of God. So belief and memorization of Bible verses gets you nowhere. It's when you walk in obedience to the word of God that you read and know that you start being part of the process. And it's there where it says um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that those who stick and are part of the process, that God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some were, were given the gift of pastoring and teaching. He says this five-fold minister of apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are for our benefit, verse 12 says, so that we can equip ourselves to the work of ministry. The event to believe in God is just that first step, but to get involved in serving so that the body of Christ is built up. Now we're into process. Verse 13. It says so that we uh, all come to the unity of faith. So that we're filled with the intimacy. We're close to Christ. To that perfect measure, fullness, and stature of what God wanted to fulfill. The opposite of the perfect man is a perfect child. A child is driven by selfishness. A child is driven by me, myself, and I. He's the center of his universe. Anyone who has raised a child has seen this face on. What I want to eat, what I want to drink, where I want to go. And so God needs to break and disrupt this, this event with a process. Bethlehem was a powerful event. Christ comes into the world with Tidings of good news and uh, good news, peace, goodwill to all men, the favor of God. That was the announcement of the event. Christmas is the great announcement of the hope of salvation to the whole world. But for those that don't get into the real process, Christmas is an event around January, it runs dry, and then it no longer exists for the remaining part of the year. I don't think that that's what Christ had in mind when he came into the world. I think that God wanted us to commit to a, a deeper process. It was himself in Hebrews 12 verse 2 that he says as he lived this life, he didn't look at the cross as the, the end result. He looked beyond the cross. Looking, we are to look unto Jesus who's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one that started it being born in this world as a child, Christmas. But he's the one that finished it raising from the dead and being crowned with glory. 
He walked in the maturity of obedience. The Bible says he was obedient unto death and death on a cross. And so he was committed to the whole process. He says, for um, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because he was into seeing the end result, he could suffer even the cross. He despised the shame. He despised those times that was difficult in the journey. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was our example. Verse 3 says, Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition, bitter hostility against himself. I don't know about you. If you've been around the church for a long time, you're going to get into some really toxic waste in the life of others. A lot of people are bitter. A lot of people are upset. And they're going to, you're going to rub against them in the church. They're going to despise you. They're going to shame you. And you have to be committed to the process. I'm here to see the end result of my faith. I'm not going to be tickering around and bouncing around from place to place until God deals with me sufficient that I'm able to love others like I love myself. That I can live like Christ lives here in the house of God amongst so many. I want to tell you, church is the place with the weirdest people. The weirdest, strangest people. This is where God was going to allow us to be rubbed every which way, but we're going to win if we stick with the process. I like my pastor, Carl Toady. He came last year, and he says, guys, I want to tell you something. That Don't think that these people that got here to church became weird here. They were weird way before they got here. And so that's a good thing because we're able to rub up against each other and be Jesus to each other, some of us more than others. And we can sit there and allow the character of Christ to be perfected in us until we love like Jesus loved. Until we're able to reach people like Jesus was able to reach people. And so it's there that it says that uh, he looked, let's go to verse 3. He says, he endured such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Um, Consider him who went through so much. Because if you don't see Jesus' example, you will become weary and discouraged in your soul. My purpose in coming to church and living here is that every single attitude that is manifest in the world could come up against me and I am perfected. I could, I could grow in love. I'm, I'm part of this process of learning how to become a servant. Jesus says, he who is the greatest among you is he that serves. That's able to consider yourself a slave. Consider, I remember one of, the, one of the ministers here at the church says, Pastor, how long am I supposed to put up with all these people? And I said, look, you and I are the carpet that people come and they clean their feet on. That's who we are. And then when they finish bringing all their junk and cleaning themselves and they feel better, then we say, do you feel better? And they say, yeah, I feel better. Okay, thank you. That's what a servant is. A servant is not lifting up his rights. He's not lifting up what he's entitled to. He's like Christ. Christ said uh, these words. He says, don't you know that I can call a legion of angels and this is over? Don't you know that, that I don't have to do this, that nobody takes my life, I'm giving it? And so that's who we want to be like. We're following him in the process. Because the Bible says, if we suffer like him in his death, we shall surely raise in the glory of his life. Christmas is not about Bethlehem. It's the announcement about death also. 
Because one of those kings that came over to Jesus came and dropped off a gift. And that gift was what you would give somebody that suffered the loss of life. And so he was announcing, if you're going to stick with Christianity, my friend, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to be tough. He says, no one who, who takes the plow and looks back is worthy of this. If you don't deny yourself daily and take up the cross, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And Jesus always talked about the process, and many people just wanted the event. Many people just wanted the highlight of the glory, but they weren't willing to stick with the process. Thank God that Jesus stuck with the process, and it says like this. It says, um, you have not struggled, verse 4, Hebrews 12, 4. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, you still haven't lost any blood. It still hasn't even cost you some blood. And let me tell you something. For some Christians around the world, it's costing them blood. It's not only rejection. It's not only uh, hardship. It's not only uh, difficulty. It's, it's even blood. And so we need to grow up in our maturity like Christ and, and say, Lord, I want to stick with the process. In verse uh, 5, he says, Have you forgotten the divine word and appeal and encouragement in which you reasoned and that were addressed as sons? That word that speaks to you that you're not now just born again, you are a son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Hey, my, my son, that's not what I want for you. Hey, my daughter, you're not doing what I, I have planned. And so a lot of times when these words come into our life, we're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm leaving. Oh, you, you don't like the way I'm expressing myself? Well, I'm getting out of here. And so God is into this process, and he says, of discipline. Do not be uh, faint. Do not be weary when you're corrected. Because it's not only the fact, and, and, and so many Christians say, I was born again back in 1972. I was born again in 1963. My friend, quit talking to me about 40 years ago and tell me, are you putting up with the discipline, correction, admonition of the Lord? Is Christ perfecting the way you think, the way you speak, the way you live? Some of you cannot stand, and I, I'm telling you how serious I'm getting in these matters, that I wish I had a church of guys that were committed to the process and not to the event. Those Sunday goers, those are just event-oriented people. The process goer are those people that come on Wednesday night, that come and participate with the Lord's Supper. They, uh, this afternoon, we're going to have baptism. They're going to be there rejoicing with those that are taking their first step in the process. And so I don't understand how all of the heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And if you're going to be part of heaven, you should be rejoicing on this side of eternity. If it brings you no joy that somebody, um, where are the guys today? Who's getting baptized? I think it's, there is Alex and there's another Alex coming. And these guys are saying, I want to not only believe, I want to get baptized. And, and you know the shocking experience they will receive when they go there to get baptized and they look around and there's three people committed to the process because everybody is much more oriented to the event. And they're not there for their brother that's committed to the process. And that breaks my heart. So that's why I wish that we got rid of a lot of these event goers, especially those who have been in this house for 10 years. And they're nothing like the pastor. They're nothing like the chief shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, who's there every time two or more are gathered. That's his commitment. And so we call ourselves Christians, and we don't show up 
where two or more are gathered doing significant events. In fact, they're not part of this whole process of, of living the serving Christian life. And I, I, sometimes I pray, I say, Lord, um, there needs to be people that are committed to this long process. I, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, and the Lord just revealed it to us um, just recently, it was Isaiah chapter 9, verse six which, 6, which is Isaiah 9, 6, is the process of becoming a true son of God. The process of becoming a true son of God is not that just you're born again, not that you just found a church, but that you're willing to sit there and, and put up with the process. Young man, what's your name? Come here. That's perfect. Come here. Isaiah. Here comes Isaiah. This is a young man who has the potential of being chosen from his mother's womb before the foundations of the earth with God's glorious plan for his life. And, and to be able to attain that, that, that reality, you must be born again. So here's the first word in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. And that is glorious. When, when we're in this world, let me tell you something. Satan can tell you a lot of things, but listen to God. Listen what God says about you. And, and the devil used to say, Joaquin, you are scum of the earth. You're garbage. But I heard Christ say, you're a prince. You belong to me, and I have a plan for your life. So the, the fact that a child is born is the cause for great joy. The Bible says that, that all heaven rejoices when somebody comes to the plan of God for their life. And so that's the first part. And we're seeing the process goes on. Not only to being a child that's unconditionally loved. But then we, we, we go on to the next process. I'm going to ask Nelson. Nelson, come up here. The next part of the process is not that you're born again. Not that you believe. Not that you've come into existence. But here is, unto us a son is given. There's a big difference between being a child of God and being a son. Because a son, the Bible says, becomes a son because of obedience. You cannot call yourself a son unless you have a heart of obedience. And the Bible says like this, those who do not receive correction and discipline are not sons. They are illegitimate. They're not genuine. Anybody that's growing up in this process that decides, I believe in God, I know that the word is true, but I'm going to do my own thing. That's not a son. A son has the characteristics of Christ. Me and my father are one. John 10, verse 30. I'm going to, I'm going to do my father's will. I'm going to live for my father's glory. I want to know my father's heart. I want to live out what he has planned for my life. Now, the opposite of a son that gives himself is a son who takes himself away. That's called a prodigal son. He's full of me, myself, and I. He soon shall be eating with pigs. He soon shall find himself an orphan in this world. But the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, I have poured out my spirit, so not that you're a prodigal orphan, away from the father's house, but that it says, because you are sons, because you have shown yourself obedient and respectful, I'm going to put the spirit of God upon you that cries out, Abba, Father. A lot of people want to cry out to God here in this condition with no obedience. The Bible calls them spiritual fornicators. They draw near to God, but they don't want any commitment. I want the blessings of the Lord. I want my inheritance, but I don't want obedience. I don't want faithfulness. I don't want service. And so being part of the process, if you stick, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and this process of being son is a voluntary process. 
Nobody can force you to be a son. You offer, he says, no one takes my life. I put it there. I put it there because my father asked me to put it there. And I want to please my father and walk as a son of God. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says that while you are young, you are almost like a slave. A son is like a slave. You do this, you go there, you wake up, you go to sleep, you come in, you go out. And this son wants to please the father because he wants the inheritance. Galatians 4.1 says, I say that the heir, as long as he is immature, does not differ from a slave, even though he's on the way to be a master over everything. While he's young, he's nothing but more than a slave. Learning process. Learning faithfulness, learning obedience. How many Christians do you know like this? There's not many. There's not many that say, I have a dad. I have a spiritual father. Where Paul tells Timothy, he says, you might have 10,000 instructions, instructors. Um, this is found in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, you might have 10,000 teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Though you might have 10,000 evangelists, pastors, prophets, you're going to crusades, you're going to here, you're going to there. Hey, who do you listen to? Nobody. And you call yourself a son? You call yourself a daughter when you don't listen, you don't obey, you don't serve? How many churches have you been in? Uh, 1,500? I want to be everywhere where I'm not responsible, committed, where I'm not... Asked to do something consistently. See, the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse, I think it's 35. He says that a, a slave doesn't stay home, but a son does. A slave does not abide in the house. If you're seeing this life in Christ as being forced to do things, you're out of gas. But if you see this life as an opportunity to forge the character of Christ in you, to be a son, then you stay in the home forever. A slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son, somebody like Nelson, Amen. somebody who, who just got here a year ago, look, he, he looks like a son of this house. Amen. He's willing to say, give me what I need to become so I could be a faithful son. And he'll have the inheritance. He'll be able to go to a nation and turn it upside down. He'll know how to live this life because he's a faithful son. Going back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, unto us a child is born, Jesus Christ, but also the measure of our example in this life. Unto us a son is given, and then the weight upon his shoulder. I want to bring somebody that has weight upon their shoulder. Let me see. Jonathan, come here. This is a young man who's already serving in the house of God. He has his post. Uh, George, please cover his post for him. Um, he has already responsibility in the house of God. And it's just not the event because it's Christmas. Listen to me. This man is committed to having weight upon his shoulders, responsibility. The word in Spanish is hombro. And that is the beginnings to become an hombre. And if you can't take responsibility, you're not a man. If you shun responsibility, you'll never have the weight of responsibility like Jesus did. And the government will be on, upon his shoulders. The weight of responsibility this young man takes over the years, being responsible, it's weighty. He's not flipping it off. Have you seen uh, one of these animals that don't want to care? Woo! Leave me alone, pastor. I don't want any, any responsibility. I don't want no service. I don't want no accountability. In fact, when I give my tithes and offering, I don't even write my name on the envelope. I know why. Because it would be embarrassing for people to find out what you give. 
But if you're faithful in that which God has given you, at the end of the year, when they see that you've been faithful, they can call you a faithful son. And that's the beginnings to be a faithful man. Because if you don't give God what is his, you're surely not going to give your wife and children what is theirs. You're surely not going to be able to prosper in your finances. So this is the training in this process. Unto us a child is born, born again. Unto us a son is given, obedience, service, faithfulness, humility. Upon his shoulder there shall be the weight of government. The word government means leadership. You know how you become a great leader? You start being faithful in the small things. And then the people, the people will say, guess what? This man is a servant. He's, he's a true man. He's responsible. He will have a good name. A bunch of uh, the girls will say, I want to become Miss Jonathan. <laughs> Woohoo! I want to become Miss Jonathan. Because the Bible says his name will be called Wonderful. Because he is born a child, because he becomes a faithful son and serves and obeys, because he takes upon the responsibility to serve, he's going to have a reputation. And girls will say, man, if I could only have his name, and then I could have little uh, baby Jonathans running around. <laughs> Children that will be like their father, faithful servants of God, men of renown, men that obey, men that serve. And the Bible says his name will be called Wonderful. So I, I need one of those wonderful uh, husbands around. Let me see. David Palmer, come here. Come here, David. This man has a name. And if there's one thing that Gretel loves is having Gretel Palma. She loves that name. This man got to church. How old were you when you got here? 15. 15 years old. He was responsible. He was obedient. He, he, he came up to me one day. He says, Pastor, I have the opportunity to be a bank teller or a medical doctor. I go, duh. He goes, yeah, but being a doctor is hard. I said, yeah, everything in life is hard. And so he said, amen. And he took off to Santo Domingo. He's, he's finishing his medical career. He was over there for a while. And he says, you know something? I'm lonely. I need a wife. So he came, and, and he, we got him married to Gretel, and, and they're over there serving the Lord. And they're in process for the glory of God. They're in process to, to shine forth the glory of God's faithfulness over their lives. So his name will be called Wonderful. He will have a name to give a wife, and that will be her her. Uh, her adorning. It says, they will walk like God, mighty God. You're, you're, the Bible, some people have an issue with this, that we're, we, how could you say you're like God? Well, in the beginning, God says, let us make man in, his Im, in our image and likeness. That's where we get it from. We're called to be perfect. We're called to be everything God is. And Jesus Christ has come to fill us with his spirit, with his word, with his grace, that when we say yes, it means yes. When we say no, it means no. Anything else, in Matthew chapter um, 5, verse 37, it says like this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. For anything more than this is straight from the pit of hell. If you're a man and can't give your word, see, in order to, to, to get married, you have to enter into covenant. It's more than word. It's more than process. It's an unbreakable process throughout eternity, throughout our lifetime here. And so that is what God has done in these men. And that's why a wife could respect a husband because he's not all over the place teetering. Where do you go to church? I don't know. Who's your pastor? I don't know. And, and in that teetering state, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 says like this. It says, no longer being children. Ephesians 4, 13. 4, 14. That we should no longer be children. I don't know. I don't know. 
tossed to and fro, carried about every time the wind blows, you change your mind. You're not a son. You haven't grown up into being a, a man of leadership and responsibility. He who serves shall be the greatest. He who is faithful in the little things, God should put in greater things. And then this name that's wonderful, it says counselor. Why? Go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says mighty, wonderful counselor. His name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, and then uh, everlasting father. I, I want to see who's a father. George Carrico, come here. This, this man has, in two and a half years, turned around his family and his children like there's no tomorrow. Like there's no tomorrow. And he's able to tell his children, his daughter Adriana, his son Jonathan, Julian, and now David, um, he's able to say, hey, look at your dad. Look how your dad thinks. Look how your dad speaks. Look how your dad lives. Look how your dad is faithful to God. Because an everlasting father is somebody who grew up from being a child. This is the process. You're a child. You become a son. You become a servant. You become a man. You can't become a man until you serve. You become a a man. Then you become um, a husband and a father. It's the maturing process of growth that God now makes you responsible for a family. And then you will be called the prince. Uh, we, 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 we don't celebrate many princes today, men that live by principle, men that are square with their word, with their service. And so a child was born in Bethlehem, but he hung on Calvary, and then he raised up to be given a name above every name, that at his name every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. It's really hard to see this process and for a woman not to honor her husband and for children not to honor their father if they're walking in God's design, not of the event, but of the process. Let's give a big hand to these guys. So I want to encourage you today that you stick with the process. And yeah, events are fun, but there's a lot of us that are willing to stick with events, but not many of us that are willing to stick with process. Can we stand this morning and say, Lord, we thank God for Jesus Christ who came into this world to bring salvation, peace, joy, and righteousness in the order of God that sees the end from the beginning. He's able to see the end result of where we're headed. Now the Bible says, press into this reality. Paul says, I forget what was already happened. I'm going to press forward to what is ahead. I think God has been faithful this morning, giving us a snapshot of where we're headed. How many say amen? Amen. And God wants us to go to all the world and be the light of the world. That we go and pronounce this reality to all men. That only in Christ is there salvation. And there's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you this morning for this word, the world-changing process, world-changing reality to come to the fullness of what you have planned. No longer being children, no longer walking in immaturity, irresponsibility, uncommitted, but that we might be filled with your spirit, the spirit of the only begotten of the Father, and that we might press forward in he who is the way the truth, and the life so that we might have peace, joy, and righteousness so that we might leave a legacy in this world. Father, I pray that each one that hears this message make a decision today to commit to the process 
of changing the world and not the event of just showing up randomly. Give us a heart that's committed to you and to the vision you've given this church. This I pray in Jesus' name, and the house of God says amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. The, oh, I'm sorry.